Before every mission, there is a right way and a wrong way. Barging thoughtlessly into combat is more often than not the latter. Hello, and welcome to Visions of the Past. My name is Andrew, and I am the host of this Assassin's Creed lore podcast. This is episode 25, and today we're going to talk about the person that gave us that quote, Dame Evie Fry. Evie's name is a diminutive of Eve, and as such, is of biblical origin, and comes from the Hebrew name Chawa, which means life. The earliest origins of the Fry surname dates from the ancient Anglo-Saxon culture within Britain. This name reveals that an early member was a person who was referred to as the Fry, literally meaning free. It is also suggested that the name comes from the Middle English word Fry, meaning small person or child. In either instance, the origins seems to be a nickname of the first person who used the name. Based on what Henry Green said when he first met the Fry twins, Evie was the same height as Jacob, and according to a wanted poster of Jacob on the Charing Cross edition of Assassin's Creed Syndicate, this would place her between 5 foot 6 inches and 5 foot 7 inches tall, assuming that the information is accurate. As for where we can find Evie Fry within the series, she is one of two playable characters in Assassin's Creed Syndicate and its main DLC, Jack the Ripper. Here, she was motion captured and voiced by Victoria Atkin. Evie is also in the novel Assassin's Creed Underworld and the comic Assassin's Creed Last Descendants, Locus. And she has an issue of Assassin's Creed, the official collection dedicated to her. Last but not least, she has a cameo in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Evie was born on November 9, 1847 in Crawley, United Kingdom, four minutes before her twin brother Jacob to Ethan and Cicely Fry. Unfortunately, Cicely would die from complications shortly after the twins' birth, and Ethan would travel to India, leaving the twins to be raised till the age of six by their grandmother. In 1853, Ethan Fry would return from India and start to train his children in the ways of the assassins. Evie greatly enjoyed these lessons and would specialize in planning and research, specifically research on the Brotherhood and Pieces of Eden. Evie would hone her skills in her teenage years by spying on conversations between Ethan and his friend George Westhouse about the Brotherhood, and then would relay this information to her brother Jacob. Evie's first target in her career as an assassin was an abusive mill owner who refused to provide an adequate wage to his workers. After Evie assassinated the mill owner, they would be replaced by an assassin. Early in 1868, Ethan Fry would pass from pleurisy, but that wouldn't stop the assassins from working to undermine the Templars. Weeks later, the twins would coordinate with Westhouse in Croydon to remove Templars Rupert Ferris and David Brewster. On February 10, 1868, while Jacob went to assassinate Ferris, Evie would carry out her planned attack on a Steric & Co. train yard to infiltrate Booster's laboratory in an attempt to recover a piece of Eden. Once she got into the laboratory, Evie would assassinate David Brewster, but he was experimenting with the artifact on a machine that would end up destabilizing, causing it to malfunction and explode, destroying the artifact. After escaping the explosion, Evie would meet with Jacob and Westhouse for a debrief on their respective missions. After the debrief, the twins would share an impatience about traveling to London to weaken the Templar presence there. Westhouse would disagree, telling the twins that the council should guide them advice that Ethan would agree with and to meet them back in Crawley. 
Evie and Jacob would be so adamant to continue their father's legacy to the point that they would hitch a ride on a train headed to the city of London. The twins would arrive in Whitechapel and seek out the local assassin leader, Henry Green. It wouldn't be too long, and they would find him and find out just how far London had fallen into Templar hands. Evie would suggest that they look to recover pieces of Eden, but while they were talking, they would run not only into Charles Dickens, but some brighter thugs. Evie would help to distract the Templar's gang to distract from chasing Henry. And after making it back to Henry's shop, the group would discuss Henry's contacts in the city, eventually meeting with Frederick Abilene, a sergeant in the Metropolitan Police Service, who would give the twins a list of blighter leaders and then have the twins capture one of them and bringing him to justice. After capturing the man who went by the name of Dalton, the twins would meet with Clara O'Day in Babylon Alley, looking for information. Clara would give it to them in exchange for freeing children from the labor of London's factories. And eventually, the twins would be noticed by Rexford Kaylock and would be challenged for the control of Whitechapel. After Kaylock's death, the twins would take his train as their hideout and ally with Agnes McBean, who would stay on as operator of the train. After taking the train as their hideout, Henry Green would take the twins to Southwark to meet Alexander Graham Bell, hopeful that he would be able to fix the rope launcher that they took from Rexford Kaylock. While Bell would be able to get the launcher to work by removing a cracked casing, during which he would inform the assassins that he had installed new fuses in the clock tower of the Palace of Westminster for the Free Press Association, in an attempt to combat the Steric Telegraph Company. But he was unable to mend the fuses connecting the lines. For helping with the launcher, Evie would offer her services to finish this project. Bell would accept and attach the launcher to her bracer. On the way to the clock tower, Evie would casually ask what inventions Bell was working on. His response would be to tell her about his development of a phonetic telegraph. Evie would suggest that the name was a bit of a mouthful and that he could just call it a telephone. After fixing the fuses for Bell, he would show her his formula for smoke bombs and showing her how they worked would spook the horses that pulled the carriage, leaving her at the clock tower. Evie would make her way to a blighter stronghold where she would gather metal components to craft upgrades for her equipment and then would return to Bell's workshop. Here she would find that Bell was able to get Jacob his own rope launcher and after returning to the train, the twins, along with Henry, would find that Agnes was talking to a businessman by the name of Ned Weiner who would give them his business card and leave. The twins would then disagree on their next steps Jacob looking to assassinate Templars, and Evie hunting for a piece of Eden. Before heading to what they thought was best for freeing London, they would first come together and visit Alexander Graham Bell again and help him with his work with the Free Press Association. But this time, they would be recovering cables that had not arrived for his independent telegraph line. And to help them recover them, Bell would attach a dart mechanism to their gauntlets that would allow them to use a hallucinogenic dart within their missions. After helping Bell, Evie would discover that Lucy Thorne, the Templar that Steric had considered an expert in the occult, was expecting a delivery, certain that it would have a piece of Eden in it. Jacob would help Evie on this mission by eliminating guards while she searched through the delivered chests and find documents along with a book with an assassin's signia on the cover. Unfortunately, the twins would be forced to take the whole carriage. While Jacob drove, Evie would defend the carriage, though they would be forced to abandon it and the documents, although Evie would be able to keep the book. Once back to the train, Evie would investigate the book and find out that it was the journal of assassin mentor Edward Kenway. Using her eagle vision, she would find a hidden map 
that would lead her to Kenway's mansion in Queen Anne's Square. Henry Green would accompany Evie to the mansion where they would discover that Lucy Thorne and the Blighters had taken control of it, which would force them to sneak inside and search the mansion secretly. Evie and Henry would eventually enter the piano room where they would find a secret code that when played on the piano would open a hatch in the floor. In the secret room, the two assassins would manage to recover more documents and an artifact, but they would have to flee through the tunnels below when Lucy Thorne arrived in the piano room. Before she could continue to search through the documents and figure out what the artifact was used for, she would unite with Jacob and return to Bell's laboratory, where they would be told that Sterrick was trying to bribe him. This led Alexander Graham Bell to invent what he called voltaic bombs to stun his assailants and offered them to the twins with insulators for their boots to protect them from harm. Shortly after installing the insulators, some blighters showed up to talk to Bell allowing the twins to use the opportunity to test the bombs to see exactly what they did. After helping with the blighters, they would continue to help Bell by protecting him as he destroyed Sterrick's transmitters at the telegraph station. Shortly after Jacob's assassination of John Ellingston in July of 1868, Evie would head to Lambeth Asylum herself to find an ill Clara O'Day who had come searching for medication for the children in her care. After Clara fainted in Evie's arms, she was lucky to find the hospital door open and Florence Nightingale inside. Nightingale would have Evie recover supplies that would enable her to create a cure for Clara. She would then be able to continue her investigation on the Peace of Eden after this and would start where the documentation from the Kenway Mansion led her, the Monument of the Great Fire of London. While at the monument, Evie would place a disc in a mechanism at its base, which would open a ring at the top of the monument and then would in turn, she would find a placing of a disc that would depict St. Paul, leading her over to St. Paul's Cathedral. When here, she would place two more discs on the back of a statue, revealing a set of cogwheels that when aligned properly, would open a hatch to a room atop the cathedral's main tower. Evie would find a necklace that appeared to be of Isu origin at the top of the cathedral, but as soon as she would put it on, Lucy Thorne would arrive, resulting in a duel that would end with Thorne escaping with the necklace. After Jacob assassinated Pearl Attaway, her omnibus company would shut down, and while Evie visited Southwark to see how it was faring after the shutdown, she would find Edward Bailey being harassed by a group of blighters after helping him with the Templar gang members. Bailey would explain that with the Attaway transport and the Milner company no longer running, the gangs were trying to get him to build omnibuses for them, but he wanted to start the London General Omnibus Company. Before he could, though, he needed the deed to the Attaway Transport Company. Evie would steal the deed of the company for Bailey, and then would let him know that his family would also be safe from the blighters. Seeing what happened with the omnibus companies and in Lambeth Asylum, Evie would start to realize the problems that were coming from Jacob's assassinations. While working with Henry Green on what the necklace would open, they would find an illustration in a book while on the train that Henry would recognize as matching a casket that was owned by Queen Victoria and that was being held within the Tower of London. When Evie infiltrated the Tower of London, she would find that blighters were taking the place of the guards and looking for the casket. Eventually, she would make her way to Lucy Thorne and assassinate her. After being mocked for not using the pieces of Eden, Evie would make her escape on a riverboat. After Jacob had assassinated Philip Twopenny inside the Bank of Eden, and the theft of currency printing plates caused the English economy to start a nosedive, Evie would meet with Sergeant Abilene and discuss what she could do to help fix the outcome of Jacob's assassination of Twopenny. 
Abilene requested that she find and return the currency printing plates and to destroy any counterfeit notes that she found. Evie would follow a group of counterfeiters from the area near the bank back to their hideout. While there, she would be able to destroy some counterfeit currency as well as steal the plates back, and she would finish Abilene's request by sneaking back into the bank and replacing the plates. Shortly after, Evie would go back to her search for the Shroud of Eden. Henry Green would tell her about a letter in Lucy Thorne's research with the same insignia as the necklace that was dated 1847, which was the same year that Prince Albert began renovations on Buckingham Palace. He would then introduce Evie to Dulip Singh, the last Maharaja of the Sikh Empire, who would tell them that the plans Henry had asked about had been moved by Crawford Sterrick. This would leave Evie and Henry on a mission to find the blueprints. Henry would end up captured during this mission, leading Evie to not finding the blueprints, but instead saving Henry. Throughout her time in London, her and Jacob would weaken the blighters by eliminating the leaders Bloody Nora, Lilla Graves, Victor Lynch, Octavia Plum, Cletus Stain, and Edith Swinborne. After all the lead Templars had been removed from London, except for the Grand Master Crawford Sterrick, Evie would attempt to tell Jacob about the Shroud being in Buckingham Palace find him uninterested. Annoyed, Evie would scold her brother about his reckless planning and about all of the mistakes of his that she was forced to fix. Going so far as to mention their father, Jacob would argue with her about their father to the irritation of both twins. Henry Green would be able to calm them down long enough to inform them that Sterrick would be at a ball held at Buckingham Palace where he was planning to enter, steal the shroud, and then remove the heads of church and state. This would lead the twins to agreeing to do one more mission together. This would force them to invite the Prime Minister and his wife to the train hideout, where they would express the need to enter the ball and their agreement to steal the invitations of Benjamin Disraeli's political rival, William Gladstone, and his wife. As Jacob went to steal the invitations, Evie would visit the Maharaja about the plans that he told Henry about. Dulip Singh would task her with helping him convince politicians about what was going on in India in turn for the information she seeked. After helping him, the Maharaja would tell her that the Queen had the copies that Evie seeked. Once inside the ball, Evie would head off to locate the plans, but because of the restrictions of her dress, would require kidnapping a guard to help her get inside the office where the blueprints were located. On her way back to the party, Mr. Disraeli's wife, Mary Ann, would introduce Evie to Queen Victoria. Who knew of what had happened with the Gladstones? Politely excusing herself to find the vault, Evie would be grabbed by Crawford Sterrick himself. Sterrick would end up having a dance with Evie, where he would explain to her that people would never change, and that when the dance was done, snipers would end her life. Jacob, though, would be able to thwart that plan, but not before Sterrick could steal the necklace key from Evie. After changing from the dress, Evie would run into the vault to save Jacob, but she would find Sterrick wearing the shroud, ready to kill him, after having activated what appeared to be an Isu defense system. A fight would ensue, but every killing blow that Jacob or Evie inflicted would see the Shroud heal Crawford Sterrick. Almost defeated, Henry Green would arrive, throwing a knife at Sterrick, but joining forces, the three would be able to remove the Shroud and assassinate Sterrick. After Sterrick's death, the animosity between the twins seemed to vanish, and the joy would go so far as to see Henry and Evie sharing a kiss. Shortly after leaving the vault, the three assassins would meet with Queen Victoria. As a gesture of her gratitude, she would knight the three into the Order of the Sacred Garter and would promise to call on them for future work. 
After helping the queen further the interests of the nation, Evie and Henry, now betrothed, would relocate to India, but in 1872, the pair would return to London. While there, they would be contacted by Frederick Abilene for assistance in foiling a plan of an American Templar by the name of Alice, who was trying to steal pages of the Vanyek manuscript that was within the British Museum. They would eventually fail to stop her, even with the help of Mark Twain and a Pinkerton agent by the name of Tommy Grayling. In the following year, Evie and Henry would welcome Jacob and other British assassins looking to learn the fear tactics from the Indian Brotherhood. In 1888, Evie would be called back to London by Jacob because of the Whitechapel murders. When Evie arrived, she would talk to the now inspector Frederick Abiline, who would inform her about Jack the Ripper and would also tell her that Jacob had gone missing. Abiline would then take Evie to the murder scene of the Ripper's first victim, Mary Ann Nichols, and inform her that the woman was not the Mary Ann Nichols that he knew. Searching the scene, Evie would find an assassin ring and figured out that the woman murdered was an undercover assassin. Evie would go to where Jacob was living and would find a picture that informed her that Jack the Ripper had learned his fear tactics in India as a member of the Brotherhood of Assassins, along with a letter that would lead her to a prostitute by the name of Nellie. After meeting with Nellie, she would inform Evie that to find Jacob, she would have to assassinate Lady Alwyn Owers. This would lead Evie to infiltrating her manor in Cotswold, just outside of London. While here, Evie would find a photo that would lead her to believe that Arthur Weaversbrook was to be kidnapped. After meeting with Aberline, Evie would find out that she was framed for a massacre at the manor that had happened after she had left, and after talking to Weaversbrook, that the Ripper had taken his son, who she would find at the docks, which would lead her to finding out about the Ripper keeping other hostages at an abandoned garrison in Deptford. This would lead her to assassinate the chief warder, John Billingsworth, who would confirm that the Ripper was an apprentice of Jacob's. After gaining this information, she would call the Metropolitan Police Service and request that they send men to the docks for the hostages. After returning to the city, Evie would meet with Inspector Abilene at the murder scene of Mary Kelly. Here, Evie would find a message left by the Ripper that would lead her to the murder scenes of Annie Chapman, Catherine Eddowes, and Elizabeth Stride. Here, Evie would find assassin rings, and at the last scene, another message from the Ripper that led Evie to the murder of the Ripper's mother. Here, she would be caught off guard by a fear bomb that induced an hallucination, but once it wore off, Evie came to the conclusion that the Ripper was staying in Lambeth Asylum. She'd be able to sneak her way through the asylum, and she would find Jacob heavily wounded, but before she could get him out, she ended up outwitting the Ripper and ending his reign of terror. Once Evie got back to Jacob, she would find Abilene, whom she would ask to keep the Ripper's death and identity a secret to keep the assassins hidden from the greater populace. In March of 1893, Evie would become the great aunt of Jacob's granddaughter, Lydia Fry. The twins would eventually take responsibility for training her, and when the Great War broke out in 1914, they would be moved to the safety of the countryside. Evie Fry is one of my favorite characters within the series. Her personality makes me laugh and isn't as overbearing as her brother's. I like her to the point that if I don't have to play as Jacob in Assassin's Creed Syndicate, I don't. Smart and cunning, she was the first playable female character in a main title. And yes, I'm not counting Aveline as Liberation was first released on the PS Vita. She's a master at stealth, going so far as to have perks in the Helix that would let her go fully invisible when not moving, 
and is a master of using fear as a weapon after spending time in India. It's fun to see her grow from the main games to the DLC, and even the thought of her training Lydia at the age of 67 during World War I is a feat within itself. I enjoy this character so much that one of my favorite things in Assassin's Creed Odyssey is that you can get Evie from the Ubi Club as a lieutenant for the Adestia. Using her allows for a small increase in javelin damage, fired javelin damage, and damage with low health. The one issue that I have isn't with the character, but it's something that Jacob says after Queen Victoria knights them into the Order of the Sacred Garter. Jacob calls her Dame Evie Fry, when historically, women who were members of the Order of the Sacred Garter were known as Lady. I've been back and forth about if we will see an ancestor of Evie or other characters that come from England in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. But looking at the early origins of the Fry name being found early in the history of Wiltshire, with them holding a family seat, essentially making them medieval lords, this leads me to believe that it is a possibility that we will see an ancestor of Evie Fry in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Thank you for joining me today. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. If you love the Visions of the Past podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give me a review on iTunes. If you have any questions about Assassin's Creed or topics that you would like me to cover, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at visions underscore AC, and you can find those links in the episode's show notes. Until next time, my Assassin friends, make sure to follow the Creed. And to those Templars listening, may the Father of Understanding guide you.